Hi everyone and welcome back to Advice from Hannah. Today we have a very exciting guest, Avril Ewing, and she is an officiant and we will be discussing grief and how to deal with that, especially with Mother's Day just around the corner. I thought she would be a fabulous guest to have on and speak about what she knows. Avril, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me here. This is so exciting. Likewise. And I will definitely <laughs> link her Instagram below because you guys have to meet this this fabulous woman. I'm intrigued. Aww, thank you. I'm like, I'm having so much fun. Like, I think we, we've exceeded each other's expectations here. Right? Isn't yeah. this fun? So, <laughs> describe yourself. What do you do? Well, I'm a small town mom. Um, I live in the country. I live uh, in a small country town about an hour east of Toronto. And, uh, you know, I care about my community, I care about my family, and it's sort of my life revolves around that. So I'm involved in politics and different issues in town. I volunteer a lot, um, I sit on boards and committees, plus, you know, I take care of my home and my child and, all, you know, all of that, my father-in-law and everything else. And, um, you know, I, I lived in the city and now living in the country, and I really love both. So that's, I try to find a balance there between the two. So I do try to get into the city as much as I can because I do love the hustle and bustle and the museums and shows and things like that. And um, yeah, so I've lived in the country for 10 years now. I've been on civic awards committee, cemetery board. I'm currently the chair of the cemeteries in my community. <laughs> People are like, what? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, I've been involved with fun projects. Like uh, we did a water slide down our main street yeah. So cool. Yeah, so that was cool. pretty fun on a summer day. And, you know, also serious issues. Like, I chaired a committee that um, took on our town hall because we wanted to keep control of our local police force. Nice. And uh, the council of the day was set on changing to OPP. And we did not like that. And we wanted to keep our own police force. Um, besides the, sort of all that kind of stuff, you know, I love food. <laughs> a lot of my interviews, <laughs> food comes up at some point. Um, social media, I love knitting as well. Nice. I know no one ever sees that, but it's a little bit um, Madame Defarge, if anybody's read Tale of Two Cities. And uh, I like to hang out with my friends and my family. I love Netflix, Real Housewives, love it. And yeah, I drink a lot of tea. I love tea. Fabulous. How did Everell Officiant get started? Like, first of all, I'm going to be the first one to say I had no idea what that job was until I met you. So, yeah. So I'm actually a pastoral chaplain, and I am an officiant, so I perform weddings. I'm a licensed representative of the laws of the province of Ontario, so I report to the religious body that I belong to, mm -hmm. and the bishops who run that, and I report to the province. And I'm also a celebrant, which means when someone dies, I can do wedding services, and I can... Uh, you know, do in a funeral home or in their own space. A, a lot of people are choosing to have celebrations of life. And I can go to there and I can sort of run the show for them in terms of what the ceremony will look like. And, you know, it's a very charged situation. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of emotions. There's often a lot of family dynamics and a lot of families, they're just not capable of doing that part. Not because in real life and under normal circumstances, they're mm -hmm. not capable, but when they've, they're saying goodbye to a loved one, that's so difficult. And how I got into this sort of line of work was my years in funeral service. So I am a licensed bereavement professional and I've you know studied funeral service. Um, I'm what would be called a funeral pre-planner or um, in other another term that's used is a pre-need director. 
So kind of like a funeral director, but I do everything ahead of time. So I've studied grief. Uh, I find grief really interesting. And I, you know, just the whole psychological end of like how we grieve and why we grieve. Mm -hmm. And so when I was working in funeral service, people would always say to me, you know, you should be a celebrant. You'd be so good at it. But where I live, there's not really a massive demand for that. So I thought, well, I'm not going to be a celebrant until I can also be an officiant. And because, you know, weddings is where the paycheck is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I do more weddings than I do funerals simply because the people just don't do it. <clears throat> so um, I decided to wait for the right opportunity to come along. And one day it did. And it was a church out in Niagara-on-the-Lake was advertising that they were doing an officiant course. And so I looked into it, asked a million questions, and they were really awesome, and they you know, explained everything to me, and then they sent me the application form, and I applied, sort of like auditioned to okay. join this program, and they accepted me, and then I did the course and started doing weddings. And so I'm also, you know, I can also do funerals as well because I'm very familiar with it. I've done them. Um, you know, I've got tons of readings for weddings and funerals, and I know the structure of the service and how it should be for both events. I think this is totally fascinating that you have a career in like doing weddings, but the funerals as well, because you never really think about that aspect. Like I would never, it's somebody's funeral. I have yet to plan one, but I do know the day that I do, you're the first yeah, person. <laughs> yeah. You're the first yeah. person. I'm well, gonna... I, and I always tell people, you know what, at some point in your life, you will find yourself planning end of life arrangements for someone mm -hmm. whether it's a family member a friend anybody you will be involved at some point in your life everybody at some point will be and so it's good to know what options are available because not everybody's uh, religious and will do it in a church and not everybody's comfortable in a funeral home formal setting mm -hmm. um, not every funeral home has uh, you know a ballroom or okay. like a meeting room anything that you could be a little bit more casual so people are choosing to do more in places where there's bars like the Knights of Columbus halls like the Masonic temples uh, there's the Lions Hall there's different places like that where um, people will rent them they can have the bar running so people can have a drink it's much more casual but what's you know happening is that they're um, they're really not sure what to do with that so they've sort of planned a party but then they're not sure what to do from the rest of that so that's where I come in and help people plan a service that is amazing so you're an event planner for funerals and weddings in, in, well, kind of, kind of. a little bit, like a little bit, like if it was a funeral, yes, absolutely. I don't do event planning for weddings simply because that's like sometimes a two year long process and that's just not where my interest mm -hmm. lies when it comes to weddings. I can do small packages for people if they want to get married out in the country okay. um, in my town. I have a, a, a venue that I use and they can, we can do the dinner, the ceremony, everything all right there and people can just come and I take care of everything. They just have to show up looking pretty wow yeah i, I want to show up places just looking pretty and have everybody take care of everything <laughs> for me yeah who influenced this career was there anybody that influenced this career or any moment in your life um i think probably from the time i was a child i was always i don't want to say like a, like obsessed with death but i always found cemeteries very fascinating i found funerals fascinating anytime i'd see a funeral cortege going by I was always like wow this is like so important so I, do, I think there's just some people who are born to it and um, I ended up not being able to go to funeral school when I left high school just 
you know, circumstances in the situation. Not everybody can afford to move away to go to school. And there's one funeral school in the province. And so I just, you know, I did my thing. And then in my late 30s, I had the opportunity to work in a funeral home. It was sort of, I was doing a favor for somebody when they were super rushed and they just needed an extra person there to like answer the door kind of thing. And I never left. And like four and a half years later, I think I was still there. And then I ended up leaving to go pursue my own things. And so in that time there, I mean, I really immersed myself in everything. I was um, doing what we call transfers, which is where you get a call and then you go to the nursing home, the hospital, cool. someone's home to go and pick up their loved one and bring them back to the funeral home. Um, I was involved in helping, you know, dress people, makeup, hair, anything, anytime they ever needed an extra hand. I was doing paperwork, I was helping arrangements, anything that needed to be done. And then when the family was there for visitation or the funeral service, I was there to serve the family and, and meet all of their needs and take care of anything that they need. And then the paperwork afterwards, it was just, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on. And uh, which is why, you know, it's good to use a, a funeral director to help you through that part because they, they know it inside and out and it's, uh, it's their job. They know what to do. It's second nature. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. I, I can't even <clears throat> imagine what it's like planning an end of life ceremony, as you call it. And I'm going to keep calling it now moving forward. You taught me a new word. <laughs> but um, it, it can just be overwhelming. And that's where like professionals like you come in hand and, and help us because we all need help in all areas mm -hmm. of life. But that mm -hmm. one... It's kind of like a dark thought yeah. for a lot of people. And people don't want to think about it. So, you know, when it's like, boom, it's right in your face, you have to deal with it. It's good to have somebody there. So when you're, you know, talking about who influenced it, the community did. Because the community kept telling me how much they loved me doing this job, how much they appreciated the help and everything that I had given them and the support I had given their families. And then the community kept telling me, you need to keep, you need to be a celebrant, you know, whatever. And now as an officiant as well, the community keeps telling me that too. Beautiful. Perfect, so why is it important to have a celebrant at a celebration of life? Uh, that's a great question, actually. And people always ask me that because I think people don't really understand necessarily what a celebrant does in that setting. So what happens is a lot of times people will plan a party for their loved one and everybody gathers and, you know, they drink some wine, they drink some beers, they chat and everything else. And there's something missing. And it, what's missing is the actual funeral element of the whole thing. It's the part where we tell the stories. It's the part where we share the memories and it's the part where we really say goodbye. And if that's missing, then people leave the party kind of feeling unfulfilled very often. Mm -hmm and something's not finished for them, but they don't necessarily know that that's what it is, that's, that's unfinished. And so, you know, as a celebrant, then I would, you know, plan a service that would have a beginning, a middle, and an end. There would be people who would come up and read eulogies. There would be, you know, people who come up and share their memories and their stories and anything else that goes on. I have beautiful stories and readings that I have on deck for these kind of, of situations. And um, in the end, you know, people got to have the party, they got to mingle with their friends, they got to drink wine or beer, you know, all the things that they wanted, but also the, the very, um, the intellectual, spiritual and emotional part is also included in that. And it takes, you know, 30 minutes to an hour most of the time to get through that. And then they, you know, and then I leave and then they can do whatever they want. But they really, the, about 50 years ago, people stopped having funerals and we have a grief epidemic. And it's yeah, because yeah. people are not, they're missing this step. And 
you know, very often a celebration of life turns into a denial of death and that's not healthy. And, um, you know, what people need to, they need to face it. They need to deal with it and face it. And there's a saying that you pay your therapist, you pay the bartender, or you pay the funeral director. One or the other. You're going to pay one of these people because that's who's going to help you deal with your grief. So whoever you're paying, that's who's going to be, you know, you're going to drink it away. You're going to have to spend a lot of money on therapy, or you can just do it the way that it's been done for thousands of years. And we've never had to really examine the value of the funeral or the value of a celebrant until the last 50 years and when people stopped doing it. And because everybody did it, everybody was fulfilled, everybody did the steps in the grieving process to get to the next phase. And, you know, so that's why, you know, it is, I think it is important to have somebody help you with that. And in those settings, it's so emotional a lot of times mm -hmm. that people cannot do it for themselves. You know, they think they can and they get there and then they're crying and can't continue. Whereas as a celebrant, I'm totally emotionally detached from the whole thing. My job is to serve. And my job is to make this happen for each family and to give it structure and make it flow so that we come to a conclusion where we all say goodbye and everybody feels better. Absolutely. My money's on you before I give it to a bartender or a therapist right? because you'll be live and in color and at the time that it should happen, not when you feel like it should happen. So definitely yeah. that's why. Yeah. When you find yourself lying on the sidewalk, you're not okay. <laughs> You Definitely. know what I mean? Definitely. When you're crying in the shower two years later, you're not okay. There's steps that have been missed. Absolutely. Um, with Mother's Day like fast approaching, how could our viewers cope with like grief due to mm. like a lost mother or an estranged mother or anything like that? I feel it's important mm. that we talk about that. Yeah, and I think that Mother's Day is probably one of the biggest emotional days of the year. And if, for people who um, their mothers have died, for people who have had to go no contact and disconnect from their mothers for their own mental health and their own safety, but also especially for women who have given birth to a child, had a miscarriage, you know, or like their baby hasn't survived, um, or if they've had a child die, I think we also need to honor these mothers too. Because Mother's Day, it's still Mother's Day for them as well. And um, even though maybe, you know, their child isn't here, um, that doesn't change that they're mothers and it, their relationship with their child is different and and so we still need to honor them as mothers as well as you know anybody whose whose mother has died um, i think that people really need to accept and realize that grief happens at every level of our being it's emotional it's intellectual it's spiritual it's physical and it even happens at the cellular level and you know, so much of our health is connected to grief and trauma. And a lot of times we don't even know the trauma that we're experiencing and that we're living with because it happened when we were under the age of four. And most people don't remember things that happened before they were the age of four. So my advice is to you know, kind of own that this is an all encompassing experience and a response to loss. Just really lean into it. If you're feeling it, lean into that. Um, you've heard of the five stages of grief? Yes. Okay, so we're going to debunk that right now. And I love doing this because everybody, when they hear it, they're like, oh. So Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote the five stages of grief for people who, are, who have been diagnosed with a terminal illness, not for people who have lost a loved one. Interesting. So when you think about what the five stages of grief are, 
in relation to someone who's been told they're dying of cancer, suddenly now that makes so much more sense. Because I hear a lot of people who believe that they should be following the five stages of grief mm -hmm. while they're the ones experiencing a loss and it's not working. And because grief doesn't go in a straight line, grief doesn't necessarily include all of these things. So what we actually use in the bereavement industry is something called Warden's Tasks of Mourning. And so I'll give you that information to post with this uh, episode so that our, our listeners can mm -hmm. uh, click that and learn about that as well. And the first task of mourning is to experience the pain of loss and experience it, like lean in, feel it. Don't deny it. Don't back away from it. Don't try to numb it with mm -hmm. drugs and alcohol and anything else that, you know, which we all do. Like, trust me, like I have a bad day and I'm like, I think I'm going to need a glass of wine. So, I, you know, I totally get it, but it's so uh, emotionally, spiritually and intellectually and physically better to just lean in, let the emotions come experience them and let them go and and that it, it will actually take you less time to heal if you allow that to happen because so many people fight it like they don't yeah. want to cry they don't want to break mm -hmm. down and everything and I'm like oh gosh please just break down you'll feel so <laughs> much better you know you'll actually feel so much better and, and in seeing all that uh, people need to allow themselves the time to feel these emotions take the time Go somewhere. If you have to go sit in your car, if you have to lock yourself in the bathroom, go lie on your bed. And when they come, let them come and, and just make the time to cry and feel it and experience it. Mm -hmm. And I and like, trust me on this one. Everybody goes, it's too hard. It's too hard. It's too hard. Holding it in is way harder. It's so much harder. And, you know, when we think about the metaphysical responses to our emotions, you know, so many people have diseases mm -hmm. that are caused by emotions being stored. And there's a saying, um, the organs weep, the tears, the eyes won't. So if you won't cry, I'll say, <laughs> Hannah's saying, say that again. So the organs weep, the tears, the eyes won't. So when you refuse to cry, when you refuse to release your emotions, you are now storing them in your body. And we have, you know, liver disease, which is related to anger. Yeah. And we have people uh, with chronic lung diseases, lung infections, uh, lung uh, disorders, pneumonia. Pneumonia is a huge one for people who are grieving. And that's connected to grief. And it's also connected to feelings of worthlessness. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of times when people tell me what their ailments are, I can pinpoint exactly what they're experiencing in their life simply because I've learned about the metaphysical responses as a part of my interest in grief and how we store that. And when you release it, you release all the toxicity and the energy and that, that's in the cells and allow it out. And then it's not stagnating inside your body. Yeah. That was the most interesting <laughs> thing I've heard all day. And if you guys need to go back and listen to it again, please do, because I definitely will. Um, yeah. My very next question is, whoo, hold on. I have to take I got, I got so much more to say here. I could keep going. Do you want me to keep going? Oh, man. You, yeah. you know what? This is, say it's, what you yeah, have it's to. It's going to be the Avril show, because I, 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 <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about this, preparing for this show, knowing like sort of the, what I wanted to convey. Um, it's also important to not feel obligated to be okay for the people around you, right? Yes. A lot of people, I think, especially women, 
we keep it together even though we're hurting so hard on mm -hmm. the inside we keep it together for everybody else because we don't want our families to see us break down and we don't want our families to see us sad or crying that we think will scare our children the absolute opposite is true if it's good for your children to see you cry because then they learn how to grieve too they learn how to be upset they learn how to process their emotions if they see that um, demonstrated for them mm -hmm. as well so don't don't be afraid to not be okay and on Mother's Day especially if it's too much avoid social media because that's a tough one I know quite a number of women uh, whose mothers have died and they tell me it is like the worst day of the year and that they just avoid it altogether because it's just so hard for them mm -hmm. um, because they you know their post is like you know um, happy remembering mommy and exactly. and all their friends are like out to brunch with their moms and so it's hard it's really hard another aspect that we also need to look at is estrangement from our mothers mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people especially you know it's 2019 a lot of people are learning a lot about mental health and they're learning a lot about narcissistic personality disorder and we're seeing a lot more people have it than we ever thought because um, as we learn about it, we realize that our mothers are narcissistic mothers. And I'm not saying that it's only mothers, but yeah. um, I think the most impactful relationship that any daughter especially has is with her narcissistic mother. And that's the one that will shape generations beyond this woman. So um, this is going to be the, a narcissistic mother. And anybody who knows anything about narcissistic mothers or narcissists in general know that they need their feed and they love drama so be prepared for the the drama to rise this coming weekend so you're going to start getting the texts from your narcissistic mother even though you've been no contact for years and you know because they're going to want attention on mother's day even though you've disconnected from them stick to your boundaries if you have told your mother please do not show up at my house and she shows up at your house like don't cave don't give in to that because you'll end up just getting sucked into the drama again um the sob stories about you know how much your narcissistic mother loves you and misses you like i think anyone who's dealing with a narcissistic mother knows it's all bs and it's just not true because they are incapable of those real emotions um uh, be ready for a rise in drama from your your narcissistic mother because you know yeah she's gonna want you to be telling her that she's the best mother in the world on Mother's Day and be showering her with adoration and protect yourself first always 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 protect yourself first if you need to turn off the phones turn off the lights in your house hide in your bed whatever you need to do to avoid it and protect yourself do that because no good will come from trying to deal with someone that you've gone no contact with absolutely you're the mvp of your life i always say that and if you have to take care of you first then by all means please do it because we it, it shouldn't be a day that you feel bad it should just be another day that you know you're on this planet and that you're grateful and that you won't have this person making you feel xyz when they weren't there to begin with mm -hmm. to make you feel xyz so yeah definitely yeah. It's, it's something that we can all relate to so i have two books that i always recommend to people um, when they're dealing with these sort of situations. The first one is called Rising Strong by Brene Brown, uh, like an international favorite. Um, and especially the part in that book where she talks about the stories we tell ourselves. And the other book um, that goes beautifully with Rising Strong is called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. 
and I strongly recommend the audio of that book and actually both books. They're both fantastic books to read mm -hmm. while you're driving or listen to while you're driving. Um, I like to walk an hour a day and then I'll just put my headphones mm -hmm. on and listen to books like this while I walk because then I'm like, I'm, I'm doing double, <laughs> you know, I'm multitasking. And um, in the Byron Katie book especially, you get so much more because you get to hear her going through the process of healing and what she calls the work. And she has worksheets and everything. And so you can actually hear her going through that. And you can hear from people going from extreme hurt to true healing in the course of five minutes. Nice. And it's just a shift in thinking. It's just a, a shift in how we perceive things mm -hmm. and how we describe things and the stories we tell ourselves. So I think those two books uh, would be like the top of my list for anybody who's going through anything, grief, trauma, um, estrangement, you know, and dealing with the healing from an abusive mother, especially those two would be great because both of these books speak to the salt that we rub into our wounds. And, you know, they say that pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. And I truly believe that. Like, like I, I have done grief retreats. I've done so much grief works. And I always say that to people. Like, you do not need to force more suffering on oh, yourself. And the pain comes from the loss of a loved one. And, or it could be the pain of the abuse that we've suffered and then had to disconnect from a loved one. And, you know, we've, if we've decided to remove ourselves from that. The suffering or the salt that we rub into the wound is the stories we tell ourselves about how things should be rather than accepting the situations as they are. And I'm not saying that we say it's okay the okay. way that people have treated us or that it's okay that someone has died. Like, absolutely not. Like, we're dealing with loss. We're dealing with pain. Um, but the, the salt we rub into the wound is telling ourselves that it should be different and rather than just saying this is how it is. And that's what the name of uh, Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is, really speaks to it. Like, just, it is what it is, right? And um, it's about not putting judgment on these events, that they're wrong or shouldn't happen or anything. It's just in a totally neutral position, talking about how, like, that this happened. Not that it shouldn't have happened, not that how things should be different. Mm -hmm. And in the case of grief, when you have someone who, especially, you know, uh, when someone dies fairly young, and let's like say someone in their 50s, and their spouse is left with all the plans that they had for the rest of their lives, they could be living in their grief and adding so much salt to the wound by constantly obsessing on what they were going to do and what should have happened and how it shouldn't be like this and that mm -hmm. how what their life was supposed to look like. And that, that these two books really speak to those things. And I think, um, you know, I think they, they will help a lot of people in their healing. Absolutely. I love all the knowledge that you just dropped. I'm definitely going to post the two books as well and link them in the bio. So anybody going through this, they can listen to it. You, I'm going to have to listen to this one a couple of times myself. On the couch, awesome. What has been, I know you've probably been around so many people, but what has been the best advice that's been given to you in a sense, like something that has you know, stood out to you so much that you carry it with you um, throughout your life? Um, wow, that's a big one. That's a big one. And I really, do you ask all your guests this question? Really I, good, every, okay. Because I wanna, I wanna listen to other people's answers too because I love this question. Um, I would say, first of all, so I'm gonna have two pieces of advice that is popping into my head right now. First of all, no one knows what they're doing either, right? Absolutely. Right? None of us know. I look at other moms and I'm like, oh my gosh, they've got it all together. They know what they're... And I'm like, no, no, actually they don't. They're just winging it like the rest of us. 
and um, you know some of the most put together people I know have told me that they're incredibly insecure and that they second guess themselves all the time and they have no clue what they're doing either I've heard that too. I've yeah. heard that too, actually. That yeah. the whole persona, the whole image of them, that they've got it all. They really just, you know, scared to do like ninety percent of the things that they do, but they do it anyway, and they're still insecure, and that bothers me so much. This is why I asked this question because I'm I'm trying to get to the bottom of why they they feel insecure even though they look like they have it all together. That's like an obsession of mine. But, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know because it, yeah, I'm like if you're doing so successfully, why are you insecure about it? But mm -hmm. I think that so much of that goes by. Let's go back to our trauma. <laughs> right? Let's go back to bring it back. Bring it it's back. All gonna, everything in the in the, that goes on it connects to our childhood. It connects mm -hmm. to our traumas as a child. And so, you know, I think people think of traumas like witnessing a murder or being sexually abused or whatever, but it doesn't have to, it's, it's not necessarily that. It's anything, because when you're little, things are scary. The world is scary. And I remember somebody telling me that um, they had a client who, they lived in a trailer park okay. and as a child, and a tornado came through the t trailer park. So as much as they were okay... They were so terrified that it actually traumatized them and caused them mental health issues later on. And they didn't even remember the event. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So this is so these insecurities can come from anything like and we, and we don't know why. And it, you know, we could get into all kinds of things about cellular memory that is mm -hmm. passed down from generation to generation. We could get into past life trauma that we ha are meant to deal with now, or, you know, like we could go all kinds of places with yeah. this, but I, I'm gonna, we're gonna keep it conservative and say that it's probably something that happened in their childhood that has impacted them and imprinted them that way. To and make we, them. Yeah, and we don't know what it is. And they probably don't know. Interesting, Yeah. interesting. That yeah. I love that answer. That is such a good answer. I'm definitely gonna look deeper into it because that's probably, one of the main reasons why I started Advice from Hannah because I want to know that answer to why like you have everything and even though you have it all you still feel like you don't or you want more or you're struggling with like identity crises and a lot of people call it imposter syndrome yeah. there's so many different names that we can name it but you know I feel as though everybody has this life and they've been given it it's a gift so you should be happy with everything that's happened to you thus far and you know just on your stripes you're mm -hmm. bad like you know i don't want to swear on my podcast but you know you're you're one person that's been through it all and you should be proud of that and just mm -hmm. own everything but um you know yeah to each that takes a lot of therapy to get to that point i think especially when we've been uh conditioned our whole lives mm -hmm. you know and i talked a lot about people with narcissistic mothers those mothers have conditioned their children to second guess because the chaos that they live in and the gaslighting and the denial of behaviors, all that stuff that narcissistic mothers do and narcissists do, mm -hmm. that really affects how an adult, then a surviving adult of that abuse, uh, perceives the world and responds to the world. Yeah. That is it's really big. Cool. It's yeah. deep. It's a huge... I feel like we can go on like for, we could. for we days could. under that subject. The other best advice I've ever been given is assume everyone you meet is grieving and treat them accordingly. Because we are all grieving. Oh, man. She's going to yeah. make me cry on my podcast. I know. It's okay. You cry. I'll keep talking. Right? Because that is a good if one. If you do this, you will never go wrong. You will never uh, falter with someone if you treat everybody like they're in pain. And, you know, we never know. When you go grocery shopping, you don't know what phone call the cashier got that morning. 
Yeah. And you know, you go to the bank and you have no idea what what they're anticipating in their life. You know, your neighbors could have lost their job and they have to move and that's grief. That's that's a huge thing. Change is a, a huge cause of grief. Mm -hmm. And when we really break down what grief is, it's actually change. It's a it's an all-encompassing response to change. Yeah. So, um, you know, every single one of us is grieving and if we treated everybody with the same kindness and care, that we treat people mm -hmm. at a funeral, imagine how beautiful the world would be. It would be right? absolutely perfect. It yeah. would be perfect. We'd all feel so loved and so beautiful all the time. I have to thank you for being on the platform and you need to plug yourself because this is something else that I do. Like, what are you, what's your handle? Where can everybody find you? I'm like yeah. your biggest fan in Toronto oh, now. Oh, thank you. The biggest oh, fan yay, ever. let's do a renewal of vows soon. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, we need to do yeah, a workshop so, together. That's what we need to oh, do. Oh, let's do that. That's what let's we need to do. Let's do a workshop. See? See what just came from this? Let's plan it. Let's plan no. it for the fall. No, I'm, I'm, I'm down for the cause. Yeah, you tell me when. You fall into grief, fall into wisdom. I'm, none of y'all steal my names. And yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see your workshop name like that. But no, definitely, you need to be in front of a stage, huge crowd with me doing this because this awesome. is this is what needs to happen because I feel as though your reach, you haven't even tapped the I know. beginning of your reach. Because I know. It's I, like the whole world is wide open. It really is. And mm -hmm. it's so accessible. Like, I'm like the biggest like dreamer, so you can probably tell. And I, while you were talking, I was just like, how do I invite this lady to do a workshop with me? Because you drop so many gems. And I feel as though if people really got out of their shells and actually spoke to you and like just beyond what you do for your business, just you as a woman are you're fascinating and everybody needs to hear you. Aww. So you definitely need to share a stage with me. And I don't like sharing. I'm an only child. So we don't, I'm an only child too. So we, <laughs> we don't I like totally to, get that. <laughs> no sharing. My name goes first. <laughs> yeah. No. It, well, it starts with an A. So yeah. it really. Yeah. 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 It does. But um, we yeah. definitely need to do that. We should do that. Totally. Oh, Let's no. do it. And then we'll market it. Promote it to death, and then we'll 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 bring so much healing to the world. No, absolutely. Don't you see me? Yeah. I I promote the. I know you promote everybody. <laughs> everybody. I yeah. Just, I, it's awesome. I have no awesome. no issue with that yeah. because I. You know what? There's 7.7 .7 billion people in the world. You're telling me that by me posting one picture, it's hurting me. There's so much people in the world. How could that hurt me? Like, you know, sometimes right. you ask somebody to like help you out, or you know, hey, pass it along, and they don't. Mm -hmm. But really. There's, I don't see a problem with that, and I don't think I ever will. Even when like advice from Hannah evolves and whatever happens with it, I will forever promote anything that any of my friends are doing because I feel it's so important for your message to get out there that I don't care to to do it on my platform. And I, I feel as though everybody should be like that, but definitely that's a whole other podcast. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say tomorrow's podcast. Tomorrow's podcast will be on lighting someone else's candle, Seriously? not putting out your own. I don't understand what the problem is because yeah. I, I literally, and you've seen, you watch my stories. I, I promote my bloom. I, my, my friend Carlos, he's having a luminous night. I'm, I'm hosting that May 23rd. Okay, my, invite me to that. So. Oh, mm -hmm. you need to meet Carlos. Mm -hmm. You need to meet him. He awesome. is phenomenal. Um, one of the most influential people I've met thus far, hands down. Um, and then my friends that are Little Venice on May 11th, they have an event in Waterloo. 
I live in Toronto and I'm driving to Waterloo because I want to see them succeed. And I'm posting that. And you know what I mean? I If anybody wants to come with me in my car, I don't mind driving. But you know what I mean? It's, if I see somebody that's bringing value to the world, how can I not promote it? Yeah. Like you just have to. So anyways. Yeah. Wasn't it Oprah who said we rise by lifting others? We do. And I'm a firm believer in that. I will promote absolutely anything that mm-hmm. I could find I have a friend at Lee Counseling she is in Bowmanville and she has a co-working space I met her in person uh, I've, yeah she, I've seen her on Instagram Elite Counseling she yeah. is phenomenal awesomesauce.com if you meet her in person she embodies everything shout out to her she she listens to my podcast but um and she does online anxiety support groups once a month wow so important so many people are struggling with anxiety Right, yeah, so, so this is so important. It is, and to make them not go anywhere, <laughs> right? Right, like what's better for your anxiety than having to like go face the world? Right? No, stay home, do it online, get the healing. It's genius. I found a genius, and she's having one in May. She's having one in June, and I'm, I'm going to be in both of them. And I'll just sit there and listen to her, like mm-hmm. you know, the, the huge fan I am of her. But it, it's something that we need to do. But um, anyways, that's the whole. That's my rant with the whole promotion thing. So just. If you have an event and if you have a friend who's doing something, just share it. Yeah. I don't, I don't see the issue with it at all because 7.7 billion people in the world. Mm-hmm. There really is. And your client, the clients that work for you, they could be getting married. You could be doing that. And maybe nine months down the line, the person that they were dancing with, you know, is not here on this physical world anymore. Who are they going to call? Mm-hmm. You. Right. So, you know what I mean? But if if that doesn't happen, you still have me here in Toronto. And I'm like, oh, hey. Mm-hmm. You 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 don't have your stuff together. You need yeah. somebody, you need somebody to take yeah, care. Yeah, you need to come to our workshop. No. <laughs> we'll get you together. Right, but no, definitely yeah. we're doing this, and I, I don't mind going out to to Port Hope, eh? I don't you mind. Should come. It's I a think, beautiful little town. It's cute as long yeah. as no snow's falling. I'm I'm game. Yeah, but um. Let's bring this back full circle. Where can we find you? You can find me at www.avrilewingofficient.com. And all my podcasts are there as well. And I interview um, people in, you know, sort of Southern Ontario area who are wedding professionals and people connected to the wedding industry. Um, I've got someone on there who is a cannabis expert and talking about bud bars at weddings. Big thing. Very fancy. And I've got, you know, an event decor rental person, you know, who has their business um, talking about how to do that. Uh, I interviewed a lawyer talking about Mm -hmm. premarital law. Huge. Talking about wills, estates. Very important because people don't realize that when you get married, guess what? Your estates are now combined. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so also we talked about prenups, postnups, and divorce because, you know, it's important information for everybody. Um, the episode that, uh, the most recent episode that's up there right now, um, but uh, there's it was a singer, a local singer who does all kinds of events and does wedding singing and you know performs for you know wedding processionals and the cocktail hours and things like that. So lots of really fun, interesting people who are connected to the wedding industry. So that's all on my website there, and you can learn about me. I have tons of information there, and on Facebook, I'm uh, facebook.com slash Avril Ewing Officiant. Mm-hmm. And you can reach me there as well. And on Instagram, I'm Avril underscore Ewing underscore Officiant. You have all her plugs now. So if you need to reach out to her, please do message her. She's super friendly. She talks 
right back to you and she's quick which is important when oh, you need somebody yes. to to kind of help you out that is that is key for yes. business with me yeah my uh, messages go to my phone ah. anywhere i am so no matter where i am i can always reply and say i'm like i'm just out right now i'll get back to you for realsies when i get home and so people at least get the comfort of knowing they're getting an immediate response that's what business is all about right? especially the business you're in thank you so much for being here and i hope that workshop we're gonna plan it yeah. thank right. you so much for having me i'm so happy to meet you Good morning. Yay. <laughs>